Hi, thank you for listening to Kingdom Exhortations. This teaching's from 2 Kings chapter 5. It's about Naaman being healed from his leprosy. There are so many insights that can be gained from this teaching. I've heard John teach on this before, and listening to it again just now, I'm reminded just how much we can learn from this story. There's a phrase John likes to use. He likes to say, Stephen, this is pregnant with meaning. <laughs> I just think it's funny. He won't say that here because he's professional when we record, but I think you'll find that phrase certainly applies here. morning. Welcome to the the second teaching of these extended teachings that uh, we're going to be doing this year. First, I want to thank all those who who took the time to to listen to the 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 first podcast and to and to really break it down and for, you know, all the many recommendations we got. All the insights have been really good and they've been helpful and uh, we're going to try to to really try to implement most of those recommendations that y'all made. We're blessed at Kingdom Discipleship to have a lot of good brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to give their insights. So we're trying to make these uh, these teachings as, as good as they can be. And so again, I want to say thank you for that. And uh, hopefully you'll see the improvements as these lessons continue. So we're just going to move right into the teaching. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We ask you to, to open our hearts and help us to look into the word of God. Father, show us what you have in the teaching today, Father, in 2 Kings 5, in this story of Naaman. We thank you for the word of God, Father. We thank you, Lord, for what you have for us today. We do commit this time into your hands, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're going to move right into this second teaching. This one's going to be on 2 Kings 5, 1 to 18. It's going to be a man named Naaman. Always remember when we come to the scriptures, we always want to come with a heart, you know, of why is this in the Bible? If you recall in the first teaching, we said that Romans 15, 4 said that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, not simply to tell us a story, but to instruct us. And then 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says that the word of God was written down as an example to us. So when you look into the scriptures, you ought to look for what is the example in, in here for me? What is in here for me to learn and to emulate or to avoid if that's the case? And again, what is it in here to teach me? This is going to be the story of Naaman. And for the, you know, most of us, we just read it as, a, as an interesting story. When again, we want to read it and see, you know, what does it have for us to learn that we can apply in our lives so that we can be similarly blessed by the Lord. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the principles that are here in 2 Kings are alive and well today. Certainly, we're under a new covenant in Jesus Christ, uh, but the principles of God doesn't change. There's a difference between 
being saved and being blessed. We can certainly be saved. We could have received Jesus as our personal savior, but we can be missing the blessings of God because we're not living in a way that, uh, that allows him to bless us as he would otherwise desire to. But as we live in a way that pleases him, when we repent, when we fall short, we're not only saved and going to heaven, our sins are forgiven, but we can live under the favor and blessing of God as well. So let's get right into it. I'm going to read it first. It's uh, 2 Kings 5, verses 1 through 18. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept the thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow down there also, when I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said.
So back to verse one. Again, we're looking for what is here to, to teach us, to instruct us. In verse one, we read that Naaman is an incredible general. He only has one boss, and that's the king. It actually says that through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. For those who don't know, Aram in the scriptures is modern day Syria. It says he was a valiant soldier, but those last four words of verse one, but he had leprosy. Uh, there's a footnote next to the word leprosy that states that in the Old Testament and in the Bible, when the Bible uses the word leprosy, it refers to generally all different kinds of skin diseases, not just leprosy. And so most likely Naaman here is dealing with a skin disease that's been persistent. Again, it says he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to a ram. He was a valiant soldier. And then these last four words, but he had leprosy. All of us in the world today have some form of leprosy. It may not be physical leprosy. It may not be a physical skin disease. Although ironically, I myself have been struggling with chronic eczema for, for, for over a year now. And there is a possibility that Naaman is actually uh, struggling with some sort of eczema or psoriasis. But the, leprosy has many forms. You can be struggling with leprosy spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally. There can be leprosy in various areas of our lives. Because we live in a sinful world, all of us have, have a form of leprosy in one way or another. None of us has every aspect of our lives that has no problems at all, right? And so where are you struggling with leprosy right now? Do you have leprosy in your spiritual life? Uh, do you have leprosy emotionally? Do you have financial leprosy? Do you have relational leprosy? Are there relationships in your life that are not as you'd have them and as the Lord would have them? You'll also notice that leprosy doesn't take into account our station in life or our position or our status. It doesn't uh, take into account how wealthy we are. It says that Naaman is highly regarded. He's clearly very wealthy. He is the general of the armies of this country that's a very successful country. And it even says, through him, the Lord had given victory to his country, to Aram. But he had leprosy. We can have many, many things going extremely well in our lives. But at the same time, we can have areas that are not going well and are causing us tremendous difficulty. And here, Naaman has leprosy. Now we're going to see as we move on in the story that the Lord has a purpose for this, that the Lord is going to ultimately heal his leprosy we're going to find it later in the story, but, but more importantly, the Lord's going to do something even bigger. He's going to, he's going to heal his soul. So whatever area of our life that we find leprosy, as I said, spiritually, could be physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally, we want to bring the Lord into it and see what he has for us. And almost always you'll find that the Lord is wanting to do something deep down in your soul as well as whatever area you're struggling with, whether you have leprosy in your finances. Well, surely the Lord wants to bless you and heal your finances as you follow biblical principles. 
But at the same time, he's wanting to do a work in your soul. He's wanting to draw you into deeper intimacy with him, a deeper understanding of who he is. And so the Lord is always doing more than is on the surface. Verse 2, it says, Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Verse 3, she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. We find here a girl, and maybe she's 15 or 16 years old. She's taken as a slave, and she's serving in Naaman's house. Uh, there's so much to be seen here in verse 3. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Although she's not in her home country, although she's in a difficult circumstance, she's testifying to the goodness of God. She's proclaiming the goodness of God. Although these people are not Israelites, they're not believers in God of Israel right now, in the God of Israel, she's testifying to who he is in the way that he works. Is this something we're in the habit of doing? When we're in a difficult situation like this, say, 16-year-old girl is, do we take the time to testify to the goodness of God, to proclaim the name of Jesus? When we're in a situation that's uncomfortable, do we bring Jesus into it? If we're around people that are struggling but are unbelievers, as Naaman and his wife are here, do we explain to them that, you know, there is a God and his name is Jesus and he wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. If only you'll invite him in. She says, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. We also find here something quite interesting about Naaman and, and his wife. You know, most of the time a slave is not given the privilege just to give unsolicited advice. But here we have a young girl who's a slave giving advice to an extremely powerful man and his wife. It shows that in Naaman's house, the servants or the slaves are, are willing to speak their mind. She clearly is free to speak her mind. She feels comfortable in doing so and takes the time to do so. And verse 4 is amazing. Verse 4 says, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. If you try to play that out in your mind and how that looked in the story, um, undoubtedly Naaman had gone to, to all the healers in his country. He had sought all the medical knowledge he could have, and the leprosy persisted. So imagine him going to the king and saying, you know, king, I've, you know, we have a, you know, a young girl who's a slave in our house and she, she works for my wife. And she told my wife today that if I would go to Israel, there's a prophet there that would heal me. And I can imagine the king saying something to the effect of, Naaman, you're telling me that there's no, no healing can be found here, but a 15, 16 year old girl told your wife that if you would journey to another country, you would find healing there. So all of the wise men, all of the doctors in our country can't help you, but you want to go on a two-month journey to another country because a 16-year-old girl gave you her unsolicited advice. That says a whole lot about Naaman, number one. It shows us that when we've had leprosy of some kind, and all the forms I mentioned, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, we can get desperate to find our healing. Apparently, 
Naaman's wife told him what the young girl had said. And again, what's, what's most uh, amazing here is that Naaman listens. Naaman doesn't blow it off and just tell his wife that, well, I mean, how would she know anything? Naaman doesn't tell his wife, you know, I got this already. I know what I'm doing. Naaman takes the time to listen to his wife. And his wife took the time to listen to the young slave girl. How often do we miss a blessing because we're unwilling to listen to the vehicle that the Lord uses to bring us the blessing? Oftentimes, the Lord uses vehicles that that may not make sense to us. The Lord may want to, to give you a word of instruction. He may want to give you some counsel. He may want to give you an idea. And he may use a a 15 or 16-year-old girl to do it. He may use a, a young man to do it. Or in this case, he may use your spouse. How many times has the Lord wanted to give me a blessing through my spouse and I've missed it because I felt that I knew better? I mean, I know what I'm doing here. I've been walking with the Lord 21 years. It's probably more times than I can count that my wife has given me good counsel But I didn't do what Naaman did. I did not take her counsel, and I did not receive the blessing. If Naaman ignores the counsel of his wife here, he does not receive the blessing. His leprosy is not healed. And more importantly, his soul is not healed. For this blessing to happen, Naaman's wife has to be willing to listen to a slave girl in her house who works for her. Sometimes, as employers, are we willing to listen to our employees? Are we willing to listen to those who are have a lower station in life than us? Are we willing to listen to those who are, quote, below us on the food chain or maybe don't have the same level of education as we do or maybe haven't been in church as long as we are? Because if Naaman's wife does not listen to this girl and pass the counsel on to her husband, and if Naaman does not listen to his wife who received the counsel from this young Israelite girl, none of this blessing happens. So again, oftentimes when the Lord wants to bring a blessing into our lives, he'll use people that that wouldn't be the people that we would often expect. Now it's important to understand that, you know, when we listen to someone, we need to they need to be someone who's speaking wisdom. And this young girl is is obviously remembering that that there's a famous prophet in Samaria, Elisha, and she fully believes in faith that if Naaman goes to him, he'll be healed. And it also shows her heart. She clearly has a heart for Naaman. Undoubtedly, she's treated well by him and by his wife. How well do we treat those that are in our employ? How well do we treat those that, that we have authority over or that are under our command? If Naaman and his wife had not treated this young girl well, Uh, There's a very good possibility she doesn't say anything. And again, if she doesn't say anything, this blessing doesn't come. So there's so much to be seen here. We can go on and on. Are you the young Israelite girl today? Is the Lord calling you to to share something with someone that's going to lead to an incredible blessing from the Lord? Maybe it'll be a healing. Maybe it'll be a financial blessing. But are you willing to be this young girl? Are you willing to to share Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in someone's life. This young girl says that Elisha would heal Naaman of his leprosy. Are you willing to share with someone today 
that Jesus can heal you of your leprosy. If you don't know him as your savior, Jesus can heal you of your sin, the leprosy of your soul. If you have leprosy in your finances, invite Jesus into it. Maybe the Lord wants to use you as he used this young girl to heal someone of their financial leprosy. And you can point them to Jesus, point them to the word of God. All right, verse 5, the king tells him to, to go ahead and go. He sends a letter with him to the king of Israel. We find in verse 5, it says, So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. We see something again here about Naaman's character is that he doesn't expect something for nothing. Uh, we see he's a generous man. We'll see that again at the end of the story. Naaman expects that he's going to be a blessing if he's going to receive a blessing. Oftentimes in our Christian walk, we're continually searching for blessings more often than we're looking to be a blessing. Like Naaman, we ought to consistently look to be a blessing and also be willing to receive a blessing. So we see that Naaman is not going empty-handed. Naaman is assuming that he's going to be a blessing and not just receive a blessing, and we want to emulate that. He takes the letter to the king, and the king of Aram basically tells the king that I'm sending this man here so that he could be cured of leprosy. We find in verse 7 that the king says, Am I God? He panics and says, Can I bring back to life? Why is this man asking me to, to cure him of his leprosy? And he assumes that the king of Aram is trying to pick a fight so that you know, he can further oppress the king of Israel and, and his country. If you look at verse 7, it says, As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? He panics. He's fearful. He's scared. How is it that the king of Israel goes into a fearful fit when he is the king of the country, he's the most powerful man in Israel, and yet he seemingly has little faith at all? He's home in his own kingdom. He's on his throne. He has immense power. And yet, when this situation comes into his life, he's, he's overwhelmingly fearful. He doesn't know what to do. He's fearful that Aram, as we read earlier, is, is a very powerful country, and they're going to come and oppress him. What's notable here is that the king of Israel is, again, overwhelmingly fearful. But in verse 3, a slave girl who's not in her own country, who's in fact been taken captive and is serving as a slave in her master's house, has no fear at all. The slave girl has immensely more faith than the king of Israel. Sometimes we can have the, the highest station in life. We can have the most power. We can have the most money. We can have the most influence. And we can have little to no faith at all. We could be moving in complete fear. We can have wonderful homes. We can have our health. We can have everything going well in our lives, but we can have no faith. And we often do have no faith. Or we can be a young girl who has nothing and have tremendous faith. This whole story happens in spite of the king. But this story does not happen if the young slave girl is not willing to share her faith and what the one true God can do. Many of us today are doing well financially. We have good jobs. We have good incomes. We have nice homes. We have nice families. 
but we have more fear than we do faith. The young Israelite girl has none of those things that we have, but she has faith. She's willing to speak it, and she's used by God to bring a tremendous blessing to Naaman and his wife and his family. It's clear here we need to emulate the young Israelite girl and be more like her. Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So we see here that we see two ends of the spectrum. We'll see the, the young slave girl again who has tremendous faith, a king who has very little faith. And then we see Elisha here, who's the, an incredible prophet of God, who in faith tells the king to send Naaman to him and, and we'll see God move in his life. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And we're going to move into now the heart of the story here. So let's pay attention closely. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Naaman is at the doorstep of Elisha's house. Verse 9, and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Naaman is at the doorstep of his blessing. He's left his country. He's taken the long journey to go from modern-day Syria to Israel. Undoubtedly, it's an uncomfortable journey as he had leprosy. And now he's at the very doorstep of his blessing. He's at the end of the journey, and he's given very, very simple instructions. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Generally, when the Lord is, is wanting to bless us, the instructions he gives us are not complicated. The word of God from Elisha here is very simple. If Naaman will obey the word of God, he will be cleansed. How many times do we refuse to obey the word of God and miss out on our blessings? In my own life, I can count, well, there are undoubtedly countless times that the word of God has instructed me on how to live. And like Naaman, I've refused. Verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Oftentimes, the reason we don't obey the word of God is we, we had preconceptions in our mind of how the Lord was going to work. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. How many times have I missed the blessing because I had already decided how the Lord was going to move? I had already decided how the Lord needed to move. I not only wanted to receive the blessing, I wanted to dictate how the blessing was going to come. And if that doesn't happen, you know, these what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. But Naaman went away angry and said, how many times have we walked away angry or frustrated or irritated, walked away from our blessing, walked away from the the healing of our leprosy when we've taken such 
a long journey to get to the doorstep of our blessing. And we walk away frustrated and angry because we don't want to follow the simple instructions given to us in the word of God. The instructions are not complicated. Go to that river over there, dip yourself down seven times, and you will be cleansed. Elisha's messenger tells him, but Naaman's offended. I thought that he would surely come out to me. This is understandable. You know, if we took a journey to go to another country while we had leprosy, so we're sick, we're not feeling good, we get all the way to the place and the man doesn't even come to greet you. He's home, but instead he sends his servant to come to come give you a one-sentence instruction. Naaman is offended. Naaman is frustrated. We find here that Naaman is such an amazingly good man, but, but he has a bad moment here. This is certainly true of all of us. No matter how far we've gone in the Lord, no, no matter how far we've grown, no matter how mature we may be in Christ, you know, we're going to have times where we miss it, times when we fail, times where we just get frustrated and irritated and we don't behave as we ought to. Naaman's pride gets the best of him here. I thought that he would surely come out to me and, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot. And so you can see that Naaman had already decided how the blessing of the Lord would come. Generally, I have found that the blessing of the Lord doesn't come as I expect it will. In our lives... Our job is to simply obey the word of God. Elisha sends his servant to give Naaman the word of God. When we open our Bibles, we have the word of God. If we'll obey the word of God, if we'll put our pride down and obey the word of God, we will receive our blessing. Verse 12, Naaman goes on to say, Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus, where he came from, the country he lives in, Better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's basically saying, I have beautiful waters where I came from. Why would I need to make this journey all the way here to another country? I could have just dipped in the waters where I was. And those are a lot nicer waters anyway. That would have been a lot more pleasant experience. So again, we can see he's rationalizing all the reasons why he doesn't need to obey the simple commands of God. Another thing that's extremely important here is that Naaman isn't required to have great faith to receive his blessing here. He's only required to obey the simple instructions of the word of God and he will be blessed. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. He doesn't have to have great faith to walk over to that river over there and dip yourself seven times. It doesn't take great faith. It's the same with us. We need to simply obey the word of God. And if we'll obey the word of God, we will be blessed. And what we'll find is if we will obey, our faith will grow and will grow tremendously. Unfortunately, what we find 
is these last nine words. So he turned and went off in a rage. His pride got the better of him. He's at the doorstep of his blessing, and he's about to miss it. Verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. This is the most pivotal part of the story. Naaman repents. He repents of his pride. He repents of his anger. He repents of his rage, his frustration, his irritation, and he simply obeys the word of God. But how did it happen? Naaman's servants went to him and said, We find another example here of people in Naaman's employ who apparently have the freedom to share their insights and their thoughts with him. These servants are, are perhaps the most important part of this story. Naaman's servants went to him and said, Naaman is a very powerful man. It says he's in a rage right now. Most people when a very powerful man and their boss is angry, they'll go to their boss and placate him. They'll go to their boss and tell him what he wants to hear. They'll commiserate with him. Most servants would go to Naaman and say, in our day, we would go to Naaman and say, you know what? That man was unreasonable. I'd be mad too. Forget this guy, right? We would encourage him. We wouldn't we wouldn't want to go to him and be contrary. We would be afraid to be contrary because, you know, we would think that uh, he'd be frustrated with us. Most of us will affirm our bosses or people over us in their poor behavior. That's not what Naaman's servants do here. Naaman's servants go to him and in a very loving, tactful way, Ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? What kind of people do you have around you? The time's going to come in your life where you're behaving like Naaman. It's come in my life over and over. Do you have the type of people around you? Do you have yes men and yes women around you that just tell you everything you want to hear? That'll commiserate with you even when you're not acting as you should? Or do you have servants like Naaman has? Do you have people that are around you or even below you? You know, people that are younger than you people that are not as well off as you, perhaps people who don't have as good a job as you, people who don't have your education. Oftentimes, the Lord is going to speak to you through people who are not at your same status in life. These are his servants. These people work for him. They're below him. 
But yet again, they have the freedom to speak to them, to, uh, to Naaman, a very powerful man, who they believe to be true. There are two qualities in these servants that are paramount. The most important quality that these servants have is wisdom. They give Naaman wise counsel. We cannot overstate how important the counsel of these servants are. Do you have wise people around you? Do you have relationships in your life with wise men and women who have the right to, to share their heart with you, even if it's not agreeing with your present course of action? Naaman storms off in a rage, and they come to him and lovingly tell him that your behavior is not right. You need to go and obey the word of God. Do you have people in your life who have the wisdom of the word of God and will exhort you to obey the word of God if you get off course? And are you willing to listen to them? Do you have wise people around you? Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, now perhaps the Lord is calling you to be a wise servant. To be a wise servant, the only counsel you can give is to obey the word of God. Naaman's servants tell him to obey the word of God, to repent and obey the word of God. The Lord may be calling you today to be a servant and to serve someone. And when you go to them, look at how Naaman's servants go to him. They say to him, my father, they speak to him in a loving way. They tell him, you're an amazing man, father. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? They know Naaman to be this wonderful, amazing man of incredible character. And so they speak to him tactfully and lovingly and thoughtfully. The second quality of these servants is that they're caring. They truly care that he be blessed. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to be a servant to someone today. A wise and caring servant that will lovingly and tactfully exhort someone to obey the word of God where they're not. There are going to be times in our lives where we're missing the blessing of God. And it may be a very big blessing. You may be at the doorstep of the healing of your leprosy. And you've stormed off in a rage. So that relational healing that was going to come with it might be a son or a daughter or a friend. And there's leprosy in that relationship. And the Lord wants to heal it. But you've been stubborn and prideful, as Naaman is here. And you believe that the relationship was going to be healed in some other way. You had a preconceived notion as to how God was going to heal that relationship. And it didn't happen in that way. And it hurts your pride. And so you've stormed off. Hopefully you have some wise people in your life and some caring people in your life that will go back to you and exhort you to, to obey the word of God and do as Jesus has told you to do, as these servants did. Perhaps today you're Naaman and you need a wise servant, someone to serve you with wisdom and caring and exhort you to obey the word of God. I consistently need these things. I'm grateful I do have wise people in my life. And uh, 
I'm sure I don't listen to him as often as I ought to. Verse 14, So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, he obeys the word of God. Naaman repents and obeys the word of God. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. The cleansing of the leprosy not only cleaned his skin, Naaman's clearly an older man here, and it says his skin is like that of a young boy. These verses 13 and 14 have incredible application to our lives. In what areas of our lives are we experiencing leprosy today? The Lord is wanting to bless us and cleanse us. Again, it may be spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally, What is your Jordan today? What has the Lord called you to do? Where are you not obeying the word of God? Where do you need to repent today that the Lord might bless you? There's a good possibility that the leprosy is still in your life because there's some aspect of your life where you're not willing to obey the simple instructions of the word of God. Naaman receives his blessing. What do we do after we receive the blessings of God? This is an incredible journey, Naaman goes on. And finally, he receives his blessing. Verse 15, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. When we receive the blessing of God, do we have a heart of thanksgiving? Do we go back to the Lord with a heart of thanksgiving? Do we go back to those wise people in our life and say, Thank you for exhorting me to obey the word of God when I was acting pridefully. What you'll notice in verse 15 is remarkable. What the Lord was wanting to accomplish here was something far greater than the healing of Naaman's skin, than the healing of his leprosy. I had mentioned at the beginning of this that I had been struggling with and have been struggling with chronic eczema now for over a year. And there's little doubt the Lord is wanting to to heal a lot more than my skin. Naaman is an unbeliever at the start of this story. Naaman is headed to hell. Verse 15, Naaman says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Not only has Naaman's leprosy been healed physically, but his spiritual leprosy has been healed. His soul has been healed. Naaman is a believer in the one true God now. Naaman has come to faith in the one true God. And we'll see Naaman in heaven. Those of us who've received Jesus as our Savior and are trusting in him as our our only hope, those of us who are true Christians, we'll see Naaman in heaven. Whatever the leprosy is in our lives, the Lord is wanting to do more than just the outward physical manifestation of healing. He may want to heal your financial leprosy. Undoubtedly, the Lord does. Obey the word of God where the Lord has called you to. But he wants to do a lot more than that. The Lord wants to do a work in our soul. 
You notice that Naaman again wants to be a blessing. Please accept now a gift from your servant. Naaman has received a blessing and he wants to be a blessing. As I said earlier, we need to be Christians who look not only to be blessed, but look to be a blessing wherever we go. Verse 16, the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Naaman was zealous to be a blessing. There's some good principles here in verse 16. Oftentimes in the church today, we can unfortunately be moved by money. Sometimes we can tailor our messages because sometimes the, the people who are given the money may not, may not like our style of teaching. They may not want to hear this. There are great problems in the church today. There are great compromises made in the name of money. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Elisha wants to make it clear here that this couldn't be bought. That nothing's done here for your money. The Lord doesn't need our money. Now we're called to give to the kingdom of God. We're called to support the work of the kingdom of God. But as ministers of the gospel, those of us who are called as our vocation, and those of us who are our lay ministers, those of us, we're all ministers for Jesus. Some of us make our living at it. The vast majority of us do not. But we should not be influenced by money. We need to teach the word of God. We need to call people to obey the word of God, regardless of finance. We cannot be fearful of money. We need just teach the word of God and let the chips fall. If someone is not going to give to a church or a ministry because you're teaching the word of God and you're teaching it clearly and properly, then they, ne they need not be there. So a very powerful lesson for us as a church today. As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. But again, Naaman urged him. We're about done here. Verse 17. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant. Again, you see Naaman's humility. Naaman is an extremely powerful man. And he postures himself here before Elisha, calling himself Elisha's servant. Please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. Naaman's conversion is real. Naaman is saved. Naaman's soul has been cleansed of leprosy. Naaman's spirit has been cleansed of leprosy. The Lord was looking to do a whole lot more in this difficulty than just heal his physical body. And in our lives today, whatever difficulties we have, wherever we have leprosy in our lives, the Lord is, is wanting to do a whole lot more than just the outward manifestation of, say, healing that relationship. He's wanting to heal your soul. Healing your finances. He's wanting to do a work in your soul. He's wanting to draw you into deeper intimacy with him, deeper relationship with him. The Lord is always wanting to accomplish more than what's simply on the outside. In my eczema, I'm certain the Lord wants to 
to do a whole lot more than just heal my physical body. Although, frankly, I confess that the vast majority of the time, I'm, I mean, the vast majority of the time, I'm just, I'm just wanting this thing to get better. And frankly, I confess pretty much with all my problems, I'm just wanting the problem to end. I'm just enduring it, waiting for it to get over. When truly I ought to be going through whatever the difficulty or the circumstance is, looking to see what the Lord has for me in it. Looking to see the blessing, the deeper blessing the Lord has for me, as opposed to just enduring the problem or difficulty, waiting it out, waiting for it to go away. Forgive me, Lord. Verse 18, but may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. Now look at Naaman's conscience here. Look at his character. Naaman says, when my master enters the temple of Ramon, when my master enters the temple of Ramon. Now, this is back in his own country. Why is Naaman confessing this when Elisha's not going to see this? Naaman's going to confess something. Naaman's going to say that when my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow down there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Naaman has said, I will never worship another god but the one true God of Israel. I'll never make burnt offerings to another god. But then it comes up in his sensitive conscience that when the king goes into the temple of Ramon, this false god, the king apparently holds on to Naaman's arm, and when that happens, Naaman will go down on a knee with the king to help support the king. And Naaman confesses this to Elisha. You'd ask yourself, why does he do this? No one is going to see this. Why does Naaman even bring this up? Naaman clearly has a tremendously sensitive conscience and he has a fear of God. Naaman is proclaimed he'll never worship another God. But yet in his conscience, he thinks, man, when my... When the king goes into the, the temple of Ramon, he bows down and I, I bow down with him because I'm supporting him. Do we have a sensitive conscience like this? Do we fear God like this? The truth of Naaman's faith is shown here. His conversion is shown here and his character is shown here. Now, Naaman had tremendous character before he even came to faith in God in the one true God. And he's going to continue to have that once he has faith. Many of us had very little character when we came to faith, and, and, it, and, it, and it'll take us a lifetime to develop character. When we review the lessons here, who are you in the story? Where are you in this story? Verse 19, go in peace, Elisha said. There's so many lessons to review here. There's so many things to be seen. We can go on and on and on here with the lessons that have been learned. So perhaps you need to repent of some pride in your life today, be it spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally. And perhaps there's an area of the word of God where you haven't been obeying and you need to repent and obey. And you'll receive your blessing from the Lord. Your leprosy will be cleansed and whatever manner you have it. Perhaps today you need to be a wise servant and go and lovingly exhort someone to obey the word of God with wisdom and with caring 
as these servants did. Perhaps you're the young Israelite girl, and you need to proclaim to someone today, wherever you are, what Jesus can do in their lives. Who are you in the story today? Perhaps you need to be thankful for the tremendous blessings of God that he has given you. Perhaps you've been cleansed of leprosy in some sort. And you need to go back to the Lord with a heart of true thanksgiving and just thank him and praise him and worship him for all his goodness. Perhaps you've had some false gods in your life and you need, need to be like Naaman and says, I'm never going to worship any other God. There's a lot of false gods we have in our lives. We have false gods everywhere. Whatever you give your time to is what we worship. Father, we do thank you for this time today. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and your grace. We thank you for the word of God, Father. We thank you for this, this story in 2 Kings 5, Lord. We thank you for the healing of Naaman's leprosy. And Father, again, we thank you that the word of God lays out for us very clearly how this healing came about. Father, I pray that you would indeed heal our leprosy. I pray for healing in my own skin. But Father, above that, I pray for healing in our soul. Father, I thank you that Naaman's soul was healed and he came to be a believer in the one true God. Father, I pray for all those who are listening, Lord, all those in our lives who don't know Jesus, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, that they would receive the forgiveness of their sins through truly trusting in Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We invite you into our lives and into our homes and into our hearts. And Father, we do invite you into the areas of leprosy in our lives. We ask you to show us, Father, the leprous areas of our lives. And we ask you to reveal to us, Father, the areas of our lives where we need to obey you. And Father, I thank you for that Naaman obeyed when he didn't have faith. Help us to obey, Lord, even if, even if we don't have faith. Just help us to obey the word of God. And I thank you that after Naaman's obedience, the blessing came and he came to tremendous faith. I pray that it would be the same in our lives today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Exhortations. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.